it's, yeah. it's the world's favorite flavor. Wow. And we see it as a flavor. Mm. And that's a big problem. It's a food. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Proclamation Podcast. My name is Luke Nolan. I am your host today, and we are here with Carla McNeil. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that to explain to everybody who you are, we have to start with chocolate. Yes. So tell me, (laughs) tell me what you do and um, the part, the the role that chocolate plays in our relationship. So I'm the founder of Crew Chocolate. And look, it's our first supporter of crew chocolate. I, I always forget that. Yeah, you, you guys say that. You were the first customer. We still had that one dollar bill that you gave us. That's awesome. <laughs> for cacao beans in our house frame. Uh, so I founded Crew That's Chocolate, so awesome. and we make chocolate at home in Roseville right now. So yeah. bring cacao from Central America, do the whole process, bean to bar, and provide chocolates for brewers, coffee shops, uh, bars, and um, you can find us here in Foursquare. Do you prefer um, a certain type of customer? Like, who's your favorite kind of customer? Because, like, we sell, you know, we mm-hmm. sell drip coffee and lattes and mochas and stuff. And, but they're, every barista, they kind of have, like, the type of customer that they like mm-hmm. to serve. Who's, who's that for you? You know, it's funny because what I realize now that my favorite customer is the customer that comes. Because mm-hmm. they already done the research. They already... They no, found you. they have found us. Then wow. before we were like looking, you know, and emailing people and that did not went well. It doesn't work out, you know, because um, the way people see chocolate is different. So now we just... Uh, Plus people are like, oh, they're trying to sell me something. Exactly. Yeah. So it's so nice when people come and they already know who you are or referrals. Um, but we like customers that are very technical about what they do. You know, they really dig into their ingredients. And, oh, wow. And uh, we get a lot of those with the brewers. They, those guys are oh my god they're like there's they're scientists they're buzzed scientists yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so awesome. i love working with them because they really push you too like we want this the you know this type of flavor profile and the one that you gave me last time it was a little bit here and there mm-hmm. and you're like oh yeah i'll try to figure that out and go research what i did you know so yeah. so they really keeps keep up making us better and i i'm realizing as we're talking that a lot of people probably have no idea what we're talking about Mm-hmm. Who is brewing what? So the brewers, especially here around Sacramento, yeah. because it's so hot, we have so many brewers. Um, they make uh, craft beer, have, uh, craft beers, and they yeah. use um, cacao leaves, which is a part of the cacao. I don't think people realize that yeah. beer is like getting so artisan, and that yes. people are seeking you out to put your cacao in the beer and the beers, and they then they brew it, and they that's mostly for stouts and porters, more like okay. a, that dark beer that you see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the winter. And now okay. it's like the pastry chef kind of uh, style beers, which is when you have vanilla Wait, or that? ice cream. I, I think because, you know, you do it, people was thinking of stouts and um, porters more like a winter heavy beer. Only. Only. Gotcha. But now in the summer, you call them pastry beers, you know, and now, and you, now have, you got a whole new market. Yeah, you have a new market. <laughs> and now you can have a chocolate, vanilla, orange peel on spring with lavender, you know? I You know, I think Katie's favorite beer right now probably falls into that category mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me it's called powdered toast man it's from Ooh. out of bounds uh-huh. um, and it literally has a, a powdered toast person yeah. on the front you know they uh-huh. 
put eyes to him and he's, got, <laughs> and he's, he's like a superhero but he's a piece yeah. of um french toast yeah um They're, they get super yeah. creative with those flavors so i love the labels i think i'm more attracted to the label. i'm like the guy who goes to the store to buy wine and i'm looking at the labels yeah um so i'm a sucker for good labels i do that too and i often wonder like what part of me is the business right and doing chocolate and sure. what will what will a regular consumer do you know so it's always like okay how would this just put my normal brain <laughs> put yeah. my consumer brain in what is it just attractive? enjoy it uh-huh because then i think once um as a maker you had some type of prejudgments that you go for it and you know right. you start seeing you know what the brand is you know what they stand for and all that plays into it and, and what you think looks good or not but i think the consumer mind is completely different i so. recently had that experience because i went to a coffee shop um called scorpio coffee um shout out to sam and his crew amazing Beautiful coffee shop, shop. yeah mm-hmm. but what i saw on instagram i knew was like not exactly the way the shop was going to be mm-hmm. you know because i i am a coffee shop owner so i i know that what people choose to post isn't really the heart or mm-hmm. like isn't the most uh artisan part of the shop mm-hmm. but it's the flashy stuff you know the cool lights and yeah. the the awesome espresso machine, uh, that kind of stuff always gets featured. But um, the people usually don't get featured. You know, nobody comes and takes a picture of the owner and says, oh, I saw the owner of Fourscore today. <laughs> so it was great because I got to talk to Sam. I got to talk to um, nice. his baristas really briefly. Um, and I could just see, like, the camaraderie that they have there and that they're all, like, working hard and trying to make the best of things through COVID and, and at the same time they were still under these beautiful lights and working yeah. on this beautiful machine and everything that you see on Instagram is there, but, um, but you really get to experience it face to face is a totally, totally different thing. And, yeah. um, and you see different things as mm-hmm. a business owner and as a consumer, um, than you would in your own business, mm-hmm. uh, you know, making, making your own product. Yeah, no, I, I go, to chops and you see the floors, you know, how clean yep. they are. You see that waste, you see all the things. It's like, Seriously. oh my God, I wish I could just go and enjoy a coffee or a chocolate or something. But I guess it's the price you have to pay. <laughs> we just had yeah. a, a meeting, a store meeting, and the manager was telling the rest of the staff, like, hey, when I go to shops, I'm looking around for dirty corners and dirty windows. And like, you guys really got to be on that. So, it it is hard though when you want to just enjoy it. You're like, mm-hmm. don't look at the price, don't look at you know, don't let the server ruin it for me or the mm-hmm. the ambiance, but just en- enjoy the experience. Yeah. Katie gets driven crazy by me because I'm always like, we should start a business like this because we could do it better than these people. And then she's <laughs> like, nope, nope, nope. Once you're on it, you realize it's not that easy. Whatever people are doing, that's you something I learned. Is. Yeah, you think you can do it, and then it's like, mm, no, you know. Yeah. Everything is learned. It takes time to learn that too. Did you ever think that your business would grow as much as it has? Quite honestly, because I come from a very industrial mindset, my vision of crew would have been already, it was huge. Like, gotcha. huge machine because I saw industrial engineering. I was working for a big factory. So um, it's been an interesting journey for me to settle into that art design and appreciate that gotcha because so you're kind of going the opposite direction yes so you're, going, you're getting more artisan from mm-hmm. an industrial place yes wow and, and learn to appreciate that because i was taught that that was uh it's not efficient it's not this sure. you know and you, 
and you know i grew up around farms and farmers and my family are farmers so to me there was this urge to like study and do something big become industrial grow you know that's where the money is don't do these artisan things that my whole family has been doing forever you know (laughs) because uh um, we're taught that that is just uh, how poor people live or you don't have time to dedicate to art or Mm -hmm. um so it's been interesting to adjust and it's been beautiful. I'm, now I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't ask something else. But yeah. But even for my family, like, I feel like I just like last month, my grandma finally comes and say, oh my God, I pray for your business to do well. Because it's been six years, like I'm praying for God to give you a good job. <laughs> she said that yeah. before? <laughs> yeah, it's like constantly yeah. this, like in my brother's student, like, okay, you still selling chocolate? Mm-hmm. Because selling chocolate there is like, it's a lady on the streets, you know, with a tub making drinks and serving it to people, which we do that here too. You know, we Mm -hmm. go to markets before COVID, we're doing markets and feeding people and, uh, but it's seen different. Yeah. Even though it's the majority, everybody's an artisan there. Everything is handmade and stuff. Well, yeah. It's like, if you go, um, if you go to a developing country and you go visit a blacksmith, you're like, well, that's probably a really rough job mm-hmm. working with metal building railroad yeah. spikes or whatever but if you're a blacksmith in roseville california you're a hipster and you're really cool <laughs> so yeah. it's a totally different perception different of perception. This, this, the exact same craft yeah yeah I, th- I think people forget that it's like that we're we're all in like very different places uh-huh. and that you know you can't judge somebody just by what they do but how much joy it gives them uh-huh. and how how much peace their family mm-hmm. has because of what they do mm-hmm. and be honest to ourselves into what makes us happy too because mm-hmm. we had these ideas of who we want to be you know from childhood what we were taught to become and and then i realized you know there are food in the kitchen cooking the machines going kids happy yeah you know that's it don't need a ferrari <laughs> in the driveway yeah i need to have a giant factory yeah mm-hmm. yeah and Oh, I remember my first boss always saying, um, because when I worked for him, he only had two employees, one other guy and me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I asked him, have you ever thought about growing this? Because I could see the potential because he would turn away work because we were too busy mm-hmm. with just three people. And he said, you know, I, I did that um, when I was when I was younger. I had 15 guys and. There's just more money, more problems, more <laughs> headaches, less sleep at night, and I'm just happy with the way things are. Yeah. And he and he always seemed to have enough, and his family was provided for. Um, he just told me the other day he paid off his house. Beautiful. You know, so yeah. it's just like you know he's made. He didn't do it when he was thirty, yeah. but um, he's in his early sixties and he's nice. he's finding contentment. Beautiful. And. I think a lot of people are like, I, I'm 30 and I need to have everything yeah. done. Yeah. And that's, that's going to lead to a lot of unhappiness. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the power of choice, right? Mm. Because when you can choose, you know, I can choose right now, which is it's a, such a blessing. And, but many people can't. And many people are, even in the other spectrum too, that you are put up to become this thing, a senator or something that you need sure. to follow into certain family, you know. Uh, or, or you don't get any choice, you don't get any options, and you're forever going to be selling, you know, something hang me and working 12 hours a day. But you, so I think that 
it's nice that we get to choose that. And that's where the yeah. joy comes, that we decide that. It's not so much about what to do, but the ability of humans to have options and to have the environment that supports that. Mm. Absolutely. What's your what's your first memory of chocolate? My first memory of chocolate. Um, we usually ask people coffee, but we have to. Yeah, ask you. You we could to. talk about coffee afterwards. But. Yeah, um, well, for me, it's because chocolate for us is a cacao and corn drink, so it's not like not like so what you think chocolate. Explain is. that to people. Mm -hmm. What is it? What does it look like? Where does it come from? A little bit. So chocolate means bitter water. So chocolate is literally a drink, and okay. chocolate was a was a cacao drink recipe from, uh, for people that don't know, chocolate was uh, created in Mesoamerica, which is Southern Mexico, Guatemala, okay. Salvador, Honduras. Those are the places where the Mayan people invented chocolate. Gotcha. And they invented it as a tablet that you will mix with water and create drinks. So chocolate on itself is a recipe of a cacao drink. And the plant is native to that area. The plant is actually native to South America, to by the Amazon okay. basis. But gotcha. people has always been migrating and trading sure. with each other. And cacao, when it made it there, it became uh, cultivated. So they were the first gotcha. one to cultivate it. Um, so Everybody else was just grabbing it out of the wild. Mm -hmm. it's still yeah it's still a lot of wild cacao in south okay. america and people had dedicated their life to other crops but in central america it was cacao and corn were the gotcha. main staple foods uh, so over there so cacao chocolate is a cacao based recipe so any i always tell to people it's like when you go to central america and you ask for a coke you know they'll ask you oh can i have a coke what coke you want i want a sprite or hey bring me a pair of levi's oh, gotcha. what pair of levi's you want Bring me Wrangler or whatever, you know, because certain brands become that umbrella. Right? That's interesting. So that's what chocolate was. Yeah. Uh, but it was a, it's a recipe that has a lot of cacao, uh, honey, roses, uh, and it was the one that was mostly used for rituals. So everybody okay. started calling chocolate everything, but we had hundreds, thousands of drinks through Mesoamerica. So chocolate was like Coke. Yes, it was There's like a lot of different because it had a lot of cacao, so it gotcha. was the drink that people wanted the most. Because uh, cacao at that point was uh, started started to be regulated, and it was so important it became money. About mm -hmm. what time in history is that? This is probably like four thousand years ago. You know okay. when people started. A long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago, but it's still when the Spanish got here was one of the biggest uh, productions of chocolate, and that's that's actually when people think. Chocolate started becoming chocolate because it became one of the first crops to be exported to Europe. Gotcha. So, um, so anyway, so for me, chocolate is a corn and cacao powder that we will bring to a farm. Uh, mm. My grandpa had like um, cows and you put it in a bowl and you threw teaspoons and then you go to the cow's teeth and you just like. Wow. And it's warm and it's yeah. foamy and then you as a kid. You, and you mix it or you yeah, just you, leave it? Yeah, you just mix you know, because it comes with pressure. Yeah, if you ever yeah, milk yeah, cacao, yeah. it's a psh, and, uh, and it creates that. Um, wow. Um, so that's my first, one of my first memories of. Uh, the first milk aeration. Yeah. Cow's udder. Totally. Yeah. The, first, uh, the first espresso machine steamer. Yeah. <laughs> it's only, it's only a hundred degrees. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's my first, uh, that's how we normally consume chocolate at home. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So th was the corn dried? It's roasted and ground. Mm -hmm. Okay. So and then we, mixed with cacao. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. With and you put spices. Uh, every town has its own recipe. You know, so it's very yeah. complex, and 
and whatever type of corn you use, like the one we use was calpinol, which is very traditional in the Nicaragua area um, because I'm like five minutes away from Nicaragua. Yeah, um, so but, you're on the southern border of Honduras. So there, yeah, okay, five minutes away from the borders from Nicaragua. Wow. So, so that's uh, that's I would say that's the drink of the region. But if you go like one hour later, then you're using uh, corn that has been nixtamalized, so it's a wet corn. Gotcha. It's not roasted; it's different. And you go way up there. You're using blue corn. So um, each town has its own, and each drink changes based on the seasons. You know, for cold weather. Okay. So we live in the mountains. Um, it's like pretty high up there. So you that was our drink because it's you you drink a lot cool. hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hot drink. Wow. Yeah. So that's my first memory. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> what about coffee? Coffee. We my grandfather was a is a founder member actually of the um co-ops the the. Coffee co-ops. coffee co-ops in Honduras. He started wow. uh, farms and he went to Costa Rica and studied farms. But then, uh, um, you know, he got assassinated because actually coffee. So it's a big story. But uh, he, my grandma, when she became a widow, she inherited all these coffee farms from him. So as a kid, um, we will go to the farms and, you know, she will have like 50, 100 workers. And they were big farms. Picking out oh, coffee and we will milk. She it. ran it. She ran it everything. Yeah. Five yeah. five kids and uh, four kids and uh, you know, lots of land because he had um he was very young when he died. He was like thirty six, you know, actually my age. When he was assassinated. Yeah. And wow. um so but she you know, as a widow there, uh and being a woman, um you're left like that. You know, it's a culture where you really depend on who your husband is. So it offers you not just the money, but the protection and everything. Gotcha. Um, but she figured it out and, you know, didn't lose her land. People always try to take land away from women's, you know. Yeah. And uh, she, we will go there and bring us all of there. And I wouldn't say I work in the farm. I was a kid, but uh, yeah. she managed. You thought you were working. <laughs> I thought we were like slowing them down. Our work was to bring their food. Yeah, you know, we'll carry the food. Yeah, but um, one of my best experiences in Nicaragua was when we went to visit a woman who made all the um, tortillas. Um, I mean, she was making the whole meal, but we were when we got there, she was specifically making the tortillas for the farm workers, mm-hmm. and we. Um, I was there with my two friends who have a cinematography company, so. They asked her, can we, can we film your process of making the tortillas? Of course she said yes, because everyone yeah. is so hospitable there. And um, she, we watched her make tortillas for about 45 minutes to an hour. And by the end of that, I wanted to eat one of those tortillas yeah. so bad. Mm-hmm. And the, the guy who owned the farm, we asked him, um, you know, hey, could we buy some tortillas from her? And he said no. And we were like, oh, why not? And he said, because she's been given by the, the foreman, she's been given this flour and she's only been given enough to make almost exactly the number of tortillas she needs to feed the farm workers. And she doesn't have any extra for you guys. And that was a, that was like a turning point for me because as Americans, you know, we often are like, how much is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me get out my wallet. You you can you buy and, and you're like, yeah, like we just think, we're here, we're tourists, we're here to spend money and you have these beautiful tortillas and nope, they're not for sale. Even though it's a very cheap product, 
um, based on her circumstances, it seemed like she could, she could use more mm-hmm. sales, you know, and that's how we were thinking. We mm-hmm. weren't thinking about like that. Her role is, is not to provide these stupid American guys mm-hmm. with tortillas, but her, she has a specific task that she's trying to accomplish. And us, you know, being there was, um, was our, was about as far as she could go yeah. with her hospitality. And that was very, um, interesting experience for me. Yeah. And I was not taking any of the video. I was just with my, my two buddies and they got this photo of me um, through her window. I was, I was outside, but I was mm-hmm. leaning on the window watching and they got this photo of me. You can just tell that I'm just like mesmerized by the whole process. Yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah, no, I grew up like my grandmother will say, fees like, remember that farm? I had to feed a hundred men for six months to build that. So that was the currency. That is the currency, you know, to feed people in order for them to come together and help you build something. Uh, And I think that's just very powerful because it it creates a different narrative for women, right? Because for you, it was a poor, it was a poor woman making tortillas in your eyes, but. uh, That was when I showed up, that was, Mm -hmm. that was my assessment. Yeah. But I think there is a lot of uh, the women saying everybody can learn from that. And it's like, as a woman feeding other people is so much power and it can Mm -hmm. bring so much for our own households too. It can build so much. Like right now that we're thinking, you know, opening a place, it's like, I still have this mentality. It's like, okay, I know this so many people. It's like, I, I feel like I am with you. I'm going to invite you and work for me. I'm going to make you an amazing meal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and the truth is that when people are, people love to come together and work and if they're well fed, you know, they're happy and, and that is such a metric of a happiness and wealth yeah. too. So, so uh, this this person who I'm about to tell a story about may be embarrassed, but I won't use their name. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently was asked to help someone move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a couple of my friends were also invited and we were very happy to help this person. In fact, we encouraged them to ask for help because we knew they needed help. Well, there was a very weird situation with the outgoing landlord and the new landlord where they were moving to. And um, we, we asked this girl, um, you know, hey, when do you need us to be there? Yada yada. And she was she was embarrassed um, because she'd been put in an awkward situation where she actually couldn't be there when her stuff needed to be moved. Mm. Um, and so we said, hey, no problem. We totally we want to bless you. We want to help you. We're going to show up with our trailer. Her roommate unlocked the door for us, and we we said we're going to move all your stuff. Don't worry about it. We'll see you when you get back. We said, the only thing we ask is, could you just leave some beer in the fridge? <laughs> Do you think there was beer in the fridge when we got there? <laughs> there was no beer. Uh-huh. And so we were texting her, giving her, sending her pictures of her empty fridge, giving her a really hard time. <laughs> um, but that's just an example of how, like, all, all we really needed was beer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we didn't really <laughs> even need the beer. Obviously, we, we still moved her stuff. We, we broke half of it. But no, um, we, we just you know, we did it mm-hmm. and, um, we did it with a happy heart, but we, we were very let down. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> we were very let down Yeah, and it doesn't take much, uh-huh. um, especially for guys to just, to get them to do some work when there's good food and good drink involved. Yeah. And I think that's the, the part, like, at least for me, right. And, and it's a choice and this is what has resonated with me because I grew up also thinking like, 
oh my God, my grandma, like she didn't know how to drive and she's always depending on these men and, you know, and, and this guy will like had to manage. He was the only one that could run this machine and he wasn't there because he will drink. So I was like, oh, oh, wow. I, I grew up thinking like, I just want to like, you don't have to drive, use these machines. You don't need any men's, you know, with that mentality of like, oh, you're feeling so oppressed because you, she couldn't do anything because she depending on somebody, on all these people. Yeah. But in my, uh, at that time, I was like, I thought it like so present, but I think it's, it's now I see it more as um, it is such a source of wealth, you know, your kitchen and what you do with your hands and your hospitality. It is yeah. such a source of wealth, but because women has been oppressed for so long, it is really hard to go back to that because we have fought really hard to get out of it. Yes. You know, and uh, it was hard for me too, like, you know. Seeing myself in a little shop making chocolate in my kitchen. It's like, now it's a cute story. But when we first started, I was like, oh my God, like, you know, you didn't want so to much it. frustration. No, because I wanted something, you know, start making chocolate, had a factory, you know, all these yeah. ideas. Um, but I think that journey um, can speak up to many people and not just women, but men as well, like reconnecting with your yeah. kitchen and, and with the food and seeing it as a source of wealth and, and nourishment and not so much as oppression. Uh, but it comes to choice, you know, when you have yeah. a choice, you can see it that way. But when you are um, a woman, you know, you, your job is going to be to be in a kitchen forever. You're not going to see that. Yeah. So um, if you don't want to answer this question, it's okay. But I think that uh, a lot of people listening don't understand what you mean by when you say that there was oppression for women. Would you mind well, I mean, I mean oppression means. in the roles that we expect women to do, you mm. know, like feed the kids, feed the husband, house the house. Um, and that's very prominent a lot in uh, Latin America too, from an outsider's perspective. But from okay. sometimes when you go there, you see there is a source of pride on the woman in doing that. But it comes down to the source of, uh, to having that option as well. And I think here for women here in the U.S., um, um, so it's I, sort of like if the, if the option is there, then yes, be proud mm -hmm. of it. But if the option's not there, it's oppressive. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. And it's the same here too, you know. Um, and I, I think even here it plays out different where women's, uh, you know, we are put up in these jobs where, you know, you bring your kid, kid to daycare at eight and work and then you get phone calls in the middle of the night and it's just so where you're not allowed to do to have space in a kitchen and nourishment and stuff, it becomes oppressive as well because there wow. is not a choice. Um, but I think like reconnecting to the kitchen, there is so much liberation that we can find mm. um, and rethinking that because um, we live in a system with everything that has that has to do with women's roles or what people consider women's role is is denigrated. So press yeah. it. Think about the how you see a nurse based on how you see a doctor, you know, uh, how you see a cook, you know, how you see the chef. Yeah. Right? Big differences. And um so I just think like, you know, let's rethink that. The chef that. couldn't do his job without that exactly. dishwasher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Except all that. So and without that cook and without yeah. that garmonier, without the other guy, all those people behind yeah. him make it possible. Yeah, so there is a different uh, ways of seeing the women's work and seeing the men's work. Yeah. And, I yeah. used to um, work at Nick's Taco. Mm -hmm. Love Chef Patricio. And uh, I find doing dishes very um, cathartic. It just mm -hmm. puts me at peace. I can think about things. Yeah. Um, it's not like you need to go fast, but it's not like a high pressure mm -hmm. um, job. 
I mean, maybe for some people it is, maybe the chef's yelling at you, get me my plates. Yeah. Um, but there it was not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would often, when there was downtime, sometimes I would stay late. You know, we, we were there at day one when they opened. And so we just loved working there and had a passion for working there. And I, w- I was on the line and often I was expo when Patricio had to step out because he's the owner. You know, mm-hmm. everybody wants to talk to him. Everyone wants to yeah. um, come stand at our table for 45 minutes. And he's like, I got a restaurant to run. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I'd step in for him at the expo station and those are considered the higher positions. Mm-hmm. And so I would get found in the dish room doing dishes <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing back here? You don't have to do that. Like, that's beneath you. And I'm like, not for me. Yeah. You know, like, I love it. I'll go clean the bathroom, you know, whatever's needed. Um, But yeah, we we often like stick certain types of people or genders or classes. We stick them in Mm -hmm. certain roles and we say, that's only for those people. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I really appreciate about my in-laws, my my wife's parents, they they built their whole house around the kitchen Mm, and it, and everyone participates. Um, And and yeah, you know, sometimes one person ends up always doing that one job, but usually it's because they're the best at it. Yeah. Um, not because everyone expects them to. Mm-hmm. Like her, her dad's always the barbecue guy. Yeah. But her mom can <laughs> run that thing too. Yeah. You know, and um, but their whole house revolves around like the hospitality of the kitchen. And I think that's, and they built that house custom yeah. to be that way. And I think it's really awesome. Yeah. And if we see roles as a weight of what people like to do and bring joy, right? Mm. like you know he likes barbecuing and part of loving him is letting him barbecue you know <laughs> but yeah. it doesn't mean like he's the man he has to barbecue yeah yeah so totally yeah. i've been getting back into barbecuing lately and i've noticed on instagram some of my friends are getting back into barbecuing and um a lot of um a lot of what I love about barbecuing is the experience and the hospitality of standing around the barbecue mm-hmm. and, um, you know, popping a soda and, and, you know, talking about the weather and just, just enjoying life, just relaxing yeah. outside. Um, and so people will like see my Instagram post and they'll be like, you know, you should barbecue more. You should start a barbecue joint. And I'm like, <laughs> and so that brought up a question I wanted to ask you is like how much of what you loved about chocolate and the process of making chocolate how much of that um you know was like something is it something that you like knew how to do and it was out there and so you brought it home or was it like something at home and you've scaled it into something that you're now putting out there and we were having this discussion with eddie because um my in my is two ways right you had eddie how he did it you know what his journey is in my journey mm-hmm. but for me it's like we learned it to pen roast you know it was from home but I, uh, everything, peel the cacao by hand, everything like that, right? Do the stone grind. So wild. So I had that knowledge quitting me, you know. But I also had the idea of, in uh, the knowledge too, through engineering of how manufacturing process work. Gotcha. So you have those two. So I, I, I don't know. I feel like... um. When, and that's the thing. When you learn the basics, you know, when you learn the, okay, roasting, and what fire means and, you know, what the points of all, all that, you know, all that, the profiles that you need and you learn those basics at home, it's so easy to replicate in a machine if you had the knowledge of the machines. Gotcha. So I think a little bit of both, you know, what I learned at home, 
gave me those principles to like now see uh, machines and equipment and then learning that equipment and stuff helped me bring set home because then mm. you realize, well, why do you need this machine? Oh, it's because, you know, you had to put it from one tank to another one. So now you had to add soil acetine and you had to add all this stuff. So it's a combination, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's it's really hard when people love doing something at home and then everyone pushes them to do it commercially. Yeah. And they're like, uh, I, I just want to make my own chocolate. You know, yeah. I just want to make my own coffee. And Actually, I, I didn't have a very good coffee set up at my house until COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I just, because I just came here every day and had coffee yeah. here, you know, and the, during COVID. And because we had a baby and I said, I'm not, I'm not going to go to the coffee shop for yeah. a month. I'm going to mm-hmm. take this time, focus on, on my new, new little person and my yeah. wife and helping her heal. And, and, um, you know, we, we just had an amazing time, but. I was like, I got to get coffee set up at home because if I don't have coffee for a month, I'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I finally got a, a good setup. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard when your passion becomes your job. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to find the passion on the job. You know, yeah. And, and, and keep the choice open and know what's important to you. Like, um, like for me, you know, it's like something I don't want to do is like, well, work with people that you don't relate with, you know, or like. Yeah people that are too pushy or people that speak certain ways. It's like we had a choice to say no. So you, you, you're responsible of what you create. Yeah. Because at certain, as long as, you know, your choices are there, you're responsible. You decide what customers you serve. You decide what to put in your menu. You know, you serve. You decide that. So, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Eddie sees it. And I don't know if, if I don't, to me, it's like, yeah, my job is my passion. Like, yeah. I don't see the separation. And I don't feel like I need a hobby, but some people, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't yeah, speak I, of that. <laughs> I learned, I actually learned from my mom that, mm-hmm. that I would be a workaholic in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the, when people say workaholic in their mind, they see something different than what I am. Um, and, and so do I, if someone says Carla's a workaholic, I view you, you know, that yeah. you, um, you like but work before everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think a workaholic is. Um, so if someone told me you were, you were a workaholic, I would think that, you know, your family and your health and everything gets yeah. put aside mm-hmm. for work. But what, what, um, what it means for me is that work is what I want to do when I don't have anything else to do. Mm-hmm. Like, um, because we have a baby, yep. I'm up in the middle of the night pretty often, and I just really the last three days been struggling to go back to sleep. Yeah, and I start working, but not in a way that's oppressive, mm-hmm. but in a way that I have the choice. Like you yeah. keep saying, I have the choice to, um, yeah, I could read a book or put on the TV or whatever, but I just start looking at Fourscore from a different way and. Mm-hmm. At three in the morning, Foursquare is a much different business than when it is when I'm here. And so I come up with new ideas and I think about new things and what's really important to us. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's something that I love. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not oppressive. Yeah, it's not a longer a job. Yeah. And, and the reason of doing it is for your own kids. too. You know? You're building a better future. Yeah. You're giving a better life to somebody else. When when. Um, when your kids look at what you're doing with crew, what do you want them to see? 
I really hope that they can see just a love for food, you know, the love for nourishment, uh, which, you know, they're teenagers and of course everything I do sucks and all my food is horrible, you know? So it's like, it's interesting to see how they might turn out into somebody else and mm. that you don't know, Yeah, you know, especially related with food because it's such a big part of like who I am and where I come from. But also this is a different culture, like, and being okay with that, you know, it's yeah. like, oh my God, like, yeah, you might turn out into, and, and I don't know, for me, it's all about that. It's super important. And, and for one of my kids like, eh, whatever. I, I wish I have friends where they tell me like, I wish there was a pill that I can just have every day and I never had to think about it. And I'm like, oh my about God. food? Uh-huh. You know? It's so weird. And especially a lot of people in tech, I think are moving like, you know, growing tech, the tech food movement and, you know, growing the food in containers and just this, this attachment from farming and that nourishment yeah. and the flavor and the natural of food. And when, don't, don't you think that's how we've gotten into a lot of bad habits um, as a society with food? With yeah. like the way that we treat farming and the way that, you know, GMOs yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, deforestation. I mean, it, it's a reaction. I mean, the people that are promoting, you know, all this tech food is because of a global ch a, a, a climate change mm, and deforestations gotcha. and things like that. So it's not that they just wake up with that idea. It's like it's a reaction to the problems that the food industrial food system has created. But when I hear them say like, oh, use a pill, you know, you have all your nutrients or something. Sounds funny, but uh, yeah, I think like when I think of my kid and the people that I'm around, it's like I hope like food can be a big part of their, what makes them happy yeah. in a healthy way. Yeah. I think um, there are some really amazing writers in television mm -hmm. who have captured what it might look like in the future. Um, I, I'll use Star Trek as an example. Mm -hmm. Have you watched Star Trek before? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so Captain Picard is my favorite, mm -hmm. you know, the bald guy. And, um, you know, everybody just goes to the little thing in the wall and the replicator and they just say, you know, give me a hamburger and a hamburger okay. appears. Um, and it's synthetically, you know, made um, out of organic material. Um, but he has this tradition of, you know, getting Earl Grey hot tea. And it's like, it's like his connections, even though it mm -hmm. comes out of that same thing, it's still like his connection to his childhood and like mm -hmm. who he is as an earth person, even though yeah. he's now out here in this crazy world and he'll never be that at least when the show first started, uh -huh. I guess now there's a new one and I haven't seen it where he's back on earth, but, um, you know, he's never going to be that earth person again. He's a star man and he's out exploring. And, um, that, that hot tea is just like his connection yeah. back to his childhood and where he's from in France and stuff. Um, and I think that when, uh, when part of the re other reason I love barbecuing is because it takes me back to my dad barbecuing and those times mm -hmm. on the barbecue, and that culture, like you said, that we've built um, around food in our individual families is so important to, to keep that alive and to pass that on. Yeah, no, and, and, and I think, you know, this movement of like that's, that race for Mars and going to that, you know, not longer being an air person, to me, that's just heartbreaking. You know, mm, it's like, to me, it's yeah. like the worst thing. But uh, yeah, seeing that what how next generations will do and whatever, you know, I can do to for people to love something that grows, you know, 
like now we have array people want the farmers to be producers and be business people you know and we think we're helping because we're bringing more money and this and that and now they can see their farms as a business and we talk about jill and quality and all these things but uh you know my family are farmers and and i see how beautiful that is like mm. and i see that complexity of thought that they have how they can understand things where it doesn't and how they they don't have they're not poor you know they're not uh definitely, yeah. definitely not without joy yes and how it's just a completely different way Mm-hmm. But when you come and impose those views of like, oh, these people are poor on this and we need to somehow fix them, you know, it's like, oh, it just destroys so much, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that there is no poverty too. There is a lot of things that need to be fixed. There is farmers, you know, that experience poverty. There's a lot of cacao farmers that their kids are under nourishment and mm. growing one yeah, of the best foods of the world, you know? One of the cacao and chocolates, one has high levels of minerals, such a neutral dense food and yet they are i don't think people know that either could you tell us just yeah, a little bit about i mean that? and that's the thing with that that's the thing that has put me that has uh make me see coffee and chocolate different because because very easy we say oh it's just like coffee it's like that but um we had to see chocolate cacao as a food you know when you food first food drink first second. yes food and it's such a beautiful food because it brings you pleasure it changes mm-hmm. your mind it changes it gives you that feeling, you know, yeah. and no other foods do that because coffee doesn't have nutritional, you know, value to right. it. And it does gives you All that. All you're doing is getting caffeine. Yeah. And I think humans, we need both. Yeah. You know, yeah. we need that. many calories. Yeah. Same with tea, you know. Yeah. Same even with beer, all these mind altering things that we do, tobacco, all the things that, that have helped us live through life as humans you know we do need a little help you know of plants at some level and (laughs) i need help yeah and chocolate is one of those that gives you both you know it's like about 20 percent protein has a lot of fiber 50 percent 20 percent protein yeah pure cacao beans about 20 percent protein so it's um uh, has five very highest sources of magnesium order after this yeah okay (laughs) And again, cacao as a cacao as a food, chocolate as a food, right? Now I'm not yeah. talking like as, you know, forty percent you know, chocolate or right. milk chocolate, very right. different. You're yeah. talking about artisan chocolate, mm-hmm. not not the chocolate that's next to yeah. the grocery store checkout stand. Yeah. So okay. and 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 a CNS are different. For example, a drink. Because I think I, I prefer having a drink. Uh, easier to consume easier quicker. to consume it's quicker it's definitely a meal you know and that's yeah. what people are mixing it with grains too it gives you that grounding um okay. then having a chocolate bar a chocolate bar is a little bit more of a pleasure like you feel it melting in your mouth you um yeah it's more like a luxury mold something more related with pleasure but chocolate as a drink when it's well done minimal process you know is a food and also my altering wow. so um, yeah, so it's it's beautiful, you know, to to know that we have blessed, we're blessed in this planet to have those things. And, it is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that one of the coolest parts about being in in the artisan coffee world is realizing that there are a lot of different types of products where people have become specialized in them and that there's a lot more complexity and a lot more work that goes into producing it. And if, you know, if we go to a kindergarten class 
yeah. you know, right around the corner and say, what is chocolate? They'd say candy. You know, yeah. they, they just think, oh, it's candy. You know, it's Hershey's Kisses and it's Ghirardelli. And, um, and those people have probably really helped the coffee industry or the, sorry, the chocolate industry grow um, by, you know, producing a lot of candy, which is great. But um, that isn't the purest form of mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, of of that plant and the way that it naturally occurs. Mm -hmm. And I think that we are probably meant to get back to more of the mm -hmm. basics as far as consumption. So yeah. that's one thing I love about learning from you guys and, and um, consuming your product is that I feel like I'm getting closer to the way that it's supposed to be enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what we hope to do, you know, and, um, and have that deeper appreciation for nature because, uh, Cacao is one of those plants that um, it needs such a, such a diversity around it. Mm. You know, it needs shade, so you need a canopy. It needs like soil, so you need a lot of things to be coming down and composting. Gotcha. You need animals that will shoot those seeds and throw it around and create more cacao trees. You need all these little buds, midgets that will come and pollinate. Uh, you need water. You know, you need uh, you need the humidity. You need the rain. Yeah. So it's such a good metric of the health of our ecosystem. And um, the only thing that cacao doesn't do well with, you know, because it's such a big fruit, is winds. So you oh, get, okay. so, no, I don't want to say true cacao, but the heirlooms cacaos and those varietals that are very sensitive, you know, and that, have, that only grow in these environments, which is a lot of them are in Central America. That's why we work with them. Um, cannot be monocrop. You can't just create a plantation of cacao. The moment you see a plantation of cacao, you know that it's a hybrid, it's completely different variety. And, and you know, the ability to have a plant that requires so much, you know, in order to grow and the ability to have people that still do that and environments that still, still provide yeah. that is such a blessing in 2021. That's crazy. You know, because uh, it's sort of such a race to monocrop everything. Yeah. Go fast. Yeah, go fast. Yeah. So how, how do you balance in your because you're running a business now mm -hmm. with this product and you want to be profitable and you more than the average person, you have this pull inside of you to industrialize it and make it bigger. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance keeping with that artisan, not changing the way it's produced, supporting the farmers, being patient mm -hmm. um, with them producing the product that you need so that you can make your product here how do you balance that with that inner desire to also want to grow it and get it faster and, and all that? Well, I mean, we're so little, it's not like I want to grow it like the Hershey's, you know, <laughs> like, sure. it's like, I just want to grow a little bit because we like, are, I think we're like using like, I don't know, like two, three tons and one of the farms that we're working with their capacity per month per year. Yeah. Okay. And one of the farms capacity is like seven tons per farm. And we have like four farms that we're working. So, so you so need to still grow so a lot more. I Before need to you grow and outgrow those farms. Yes. Gotcha. And that's the thing that even crew can, uh, is providing for us, even as we are right now, you know, so little. And providing my, for you and your family. See, yeah, providing for yeah. me and my family. And what I want to do is grow so we can have to support these four these relationships we have because we're mm. the only buyer. So, and I know how good it is for From me. From all those farms? Yes. You're the only buyer? Yes. Like for three of them, yeah. Wow. And, um, and so it's a responsibility to their product. They sell it locally, in country. Mm -hmm. Locally. And, and that's the thing. Industrial chocolate can not work for these farms. You know, mm. can't. 
Right. And there is a lot of people like that. So if more artisans were to work directly and create this, yeah, it will promote these systems. But if we don't, you know, people will end up cutting everything, planting something else, sure. or selling their land. Somebody, big company buys it, gets a big monograph. So yeah, we do need to want to grow, but to a level where we can have these good partnerships. Because I had customers that you know are represent 25% of my sales and like, oh, that's a blessing to have a huge yeah. customer. It's like, what do they buy? Drinks. Yeah. Wow. A lot of the cacao drinks and bars. Um, and same with the brewers. They're a big chunk of our business too with the nibs and as an industry and stuff. Yeah. So, so it's nice when you have already these relationships. So if I can be that for the farms, we work, you know, and grow from like two to like, you know, 18, 15 tons, uh, we're still yeah. very small. Um, you know, even with the artisan world, it still be like, you know, probably a 3,000 square facility. It's not sure. that big. Um, that's where we want to go. But I feel like sustainable business is good business. And that's what people have to understand. It's like rethinking, you know, your pleasure, rethinking your values and finding happiness and really being honest in what makes you happy and where your pleasure comes from. Mm -hmm. It pushes you towards sustainability. It pushes you to working directly with people, creating this relationship. It pushes you through like having a thriving environment. And that's the thing. There is not, um, there is not a separation. We think like, well, if you want to grow, you have to do this and destroy all that. And it's like, you don't have to, you know, but that's the idea. That's the idea they want to tell you. They oh, yeah. want to tell you like, if you yeah. want to be something big, you cannot do this, you know? And right. it's like, mm, no, if you That's are, almost the first thing people say to me yeah. when, it, when I talk to other business people or people who are mentors to me and I say, you know, I, you know, I want to grow or mm -hmm. square. I want to see more profit. They say, well, you need to fire some people. Oh. <laughs> so the, the first solution is yeah. destroy. And, and, it, and when you were talking about feeding people, that's how I view my businesses. Yeah. My number one goal yeah. Well, we have the mission statement of the business. And then the, the, mm -hmm. the goal, the first practical goal underneath that is creating jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, if I fire people, I just yeah. destroyed a job. I didn't create a job. So uh, I'm not opposed to firing people for those employees who are listening. But um, <laughs> just that it's not my goal to try to like make money at the expense of people's jobs. Yeah. It's my goal to create more jobs and those jobs result in, in more profitability but that's at this point still just like you guys. So just so yeah. we can grow, not, not so that I can stay home and play video games yeah. because I'm a millionaire. And that's the thing. Once you, you know, if you're honest to what brings you joy is to be able to provide to a job for other families. And, you know, and you find joy in this job, by the time you're a millionaire and stay playing video games, you're not happy. You know, so it's no. like when you are true, honest to what makes you happy and where your pleasure and your joy is coming from, you realize that we are meant to be doing things in sustainable. What do you mean way. we're meant to be? That's the design. You know, that's the design of human. We are social beings that are meant to be around nature, supporting each other. Mm. You know, like I don't believe like humans are these horrible, sinful, greedy creatures, you know? It's like, no, it's like we, we had evolved to this point because we like, have created these alliances of helping each other and growing together and that's creating what a village. That's from other yeah other creatures on this planet mm -hmm. so the more we embrace that you know mm. maybe something will happen yeah we we were talking with some um my my dad and my brother-in-law and i were talking about 
um, meaning and value and how society recognizes value a lot differently than maybe they should, mm -hmm. um, monetary or fame. And um, it's a struggle, you know, mm -hmm. to not want to go for the same things that everybody else is going for. Yeah. And, and it's hard too when other people push you in a direction, um, in one of those directions, like, mm -hmm. you know, say you, you post a video yourself, it goes viral. Mm -hmm. Are you going to capitalize on that and now become, you know, <laughs> YouTube famous, or are you just going to let that video go and just say, wow, that was hilarious that 20 million people thought that I was funny yeah. and I fell over, you know, mm -hmm. outside my house. Um, and so like in what ways have you had people try to push you as a business in a direction that you didn't want to go? It's interesting because I think with us, I, I'm pretty up there. So I think people just look at me and like, mm, I'm going to fly. You know, <laughs> so it just doesn't, I don't seem to attract that. But yeah, there is people that have, that have come and offer certain opportunities and we have seen, does it work? Um, yeah. it's, it comes back to honesty. You know, because if, if I say this, who's going to resonate with? Yeah. You know, not somebody that wants to, you know, get an investment and they're, they're returning uh, within a year and growth, you know. Yeah. It doesn't. But you're, you're weeding them out early. Yeah. And that's the same thing. I need to learn how to do yeah, that. Yeah. You have to because then it becomes a temptation and then you start feeling, oh, my God, maybe I'm, miss maybe I'm missing out. Maybe it's me the problem. And it's yeah. like, but that is living with honesty. Like. When people see you, they should be able to size you up and know what up. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. eh, no, yeah. <laughs> Which is says, a good thing. Katie says they size me up and they say, I can run that guy over. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. You know, it is beautiful. And I have, a, I have a, a problem with it, inviting uh, a lot of conversations like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in the, at the end of the day, I stop them and I, I don't want them to take over my business. But <laughs> I, I like ideas and I, I, kind of want to do everybody's idea. I want to help. I want to be a part yeah. of everything. But at the end of the day, you got to focus on what your, yeah. what your main thing is. That's, that's good that people come with you with opportunities and choices, but yeah. Coffee it, shops it, are great at that. It, Coffee shops, yeah. breweries, restaurants, they invite tons of people with tons of ideas. Nice. Yeah. yeah. At the end, everybody wants to tell you how to run your own business. Yeah. You'll see when, yeah. you get your, when you get your retail space. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good problem. Mm -hmm. It's a very good problem. Um, let's see. I want to ask you something else. Oh, Fourscore. Mm -hmm. Tell me about how Fourscore has impacted your life. Fourscore being awesome because you, well, there is a, even a backup story that you probably don't know. Uh, let's hear it. I'm ready. <laughs> I love this. When, when, uh, when I decided, okay, I wanted to open a business and I start thinking, I start studying, you know, it was coffee. Um, I wanted to do coffee because and we've done some stuff with coffee. Yeah, and um, because I'm coming from a coffee farm, I went to and my family at that time. Oh, you want to do coffee? There is this uh, training. Come, you know, they wanted to see me, so they called me in and they gave me this training for like cup of excellence. So I where I, to flew you to where to Honduras? Okay, because Honduras has a, uh, one of the best um, coffee labs. Absolutely, so if you want to yeah. train, you go there, and the one week they'll train you how to taste coffee. So um. So I had this background with coffee, more than I did with chocolate. Chocolate was a food of the house, but coffee was, um, we still do coffee. Uh, you know, co yeah. we, we, we remember actives of a co-op. It was more seen as a business. So coffee is always being a, a business in the family. 
So that was my first idea. And then we started and Eddie's like, yeah, we do. And then you open. And we were like looking here and like, oh my God, I can't. And, and it's funny that- I stomped on your dream? Yeah, oh, you man. did look. I went and cried. I didn't know that. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Well, because we wanted to open in Roseville. Oh my gosh, I feel and you, terrible. No, man. but you've been such a good friend of us, you know, and, yeah. I, and I knew that I was like, oh my God, a coffee shop downtown Roseville is, is like a whole- You can but... buy it if you want. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and, uh, it's for sale. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and so we were like, and then when you open, I'm like, oh man. And But we learned a lot that you make assumptions that are not real, right? Because how many coffee shops have opened since you opened? So there's still uh, space. Many. Yeah. I think, you know, there's, we thought, oh my God, coffee is so saturated. So that, that was my first, uh, but we, you were friends with Eddie way before you opened yeah. and he knew yeah. you and, and. It's my dream to yeah. open, a not my real dream, but a, it would be really awesome to open a four score where Eddie and I met, which was mm -hmm. Starbucks that I worked at. Um, and I won't say where, but yeah, um, <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, if they ever leave, I will be first in line. Nice at that complex to yeah. rent that space. It'd be really cool. Yeah. So so then Redemption. so then we were like, oh man, there is no space for us. It's already open, which is such a bad assumption, you know. But um, so then we start looking at like chocolate. So like, oh, okay, what can I see? Like. Oh, let's do chocolate. Oh, because that time my mom came and we started making chocolate by hand and Eddie yeah. saw and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe nobody knows how to make chocolate by hand. So ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah. I just didn't knew that people didn't knew. And, um, but then with Foursquare, you were our first customer. You know, you the first time we roasted, we will come here. This has been our local totally. coffee shop. Uh, the mocha that sells here, it's always been such a good relationship. And... Um, We've done a couple of events here too. Um, it's just amazing, you know, to have this relationship where you grow together. We kind of yeah. had started our own ventures together and how they complement with each other. Yes. Even with the brewers too. I think you were the first one to refer us to a brewery. I think it was New Glory. Moonraker? Oh, New Glory. Yeah, yeah, New Glory. Totally. And New Glory is an amazing partner too because they've grown a lot. They love you guys. I know, and the we love them too. The new head brewer talks very highly of you guys. And they just ordered and they're going to make a beer right now and their brewer is growing too. So you introduced us to them and we were like, okay, we don't know what we're doing. We roasted some leaves. He loves them. And then yeah. he's like a little more roast, a little more of this. And he ha these brewers have made us better at our job. It's great. So you introduce us to that. So, um, yeah, I guess we've been together for this for a long time. Eh? Yeah, seven years. <laughs> seven years. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Six years. Can't do math. Yeah. Really. 2015, mm -hmm. 2021, it would be six years. We started this six years ago, yeah. and then I met Eddie in 2007, so it's been a long time. Long time. Yeah. Yeah, so so then you see, like, um, like you know, we live, like, five minutes away from here, and it's like, we're going to, we're trying to open a place in Auburn, and it's like, why don't we just come to Roseville? And it's like, I just feel four scores here. You're our, you're our best representant. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, uh, and I see it that way. I feel like you have to be respectful of where... Other people are doing their dream, you know, mm. and you have to find your territory and your the people around you, and and, and not just respectful of the people, but of the of the place too, you know, who needs you and who, yeah, sure. just another person selling coffee, and you know, like, yeah, yeah. So, so I I I think that way. Like 
right here where we're at, there's seven bars, right? Mm -hmm. Walking distance from here. And there's more on the other side of the railroad tracks. And, um, you know, people could open another bar, but it would, it would just be too many. But Paris is different because when you're in a bar, you want to go to one, then to other, you know. You, That's true. You do a caravan yeah. of beers. But with a coffee shop. I did that with coffee once and I got very sick. Yeah. And I had eight, es eight espressos in San Francisco. Yeah. So Too bad. Don't do that. No, but I yeah. think that coffee is a space of the community too. Yeah. You know, it's not you just selling coffee. It's like, no, you're, you're, you're selling conversations yeah. and community. And you're nourishing that space. Yeah. So I think you do a great job that here. Thank you. And you know, other people doing other places. So that's why for me, it's being like, where do we go? You know, mm. Where are we called to be? And, um, so far, Auburn. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. You, you say a lot of things, like when you just said called to be, you say a lot of things that show that you're, you're guided by like an inner voice that's bigger than <laughs> yourself. And I think that's really awesome. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's more like environment. You know, if you're mm. listening to that language and what does this space need? You know, what does this this city needs or this? How how would you encourage um, people who are listening to this to do that in their own lives? I think it starts with food. You know, connect where your food comes from. Wow. You know, connect. Because uh, we all have to eat. Yeah, you all have to eat. So you might and, as well start paying attention. And that's the thing that we don't recognize. And it's not that because we don't recognize that it's not real. Mm. It is real, but we choose not to see it or we we're not taught to see it. But we don't recognize that when you are eating the food of a specific place, you are eating those stories, you are eating the energy of the place. That's mm. what terroir is. People want to say, oh, is it tastes here because it grew in France and the water is like, no, when you are eating the foods of these places and the people that are making it from you, you are participant of this land, of this territory. Yeah. So recognizing that and starting connecting with that, you'll see that pretty soon you start realizing like and asking what is home? You know? mm. Where is my food coming from? Where is my water coming from? And connecting to that true sense of home. I think one of the only positives that came out of 2020 was that people recognized how much we are all interconnected and how the mm -hmm. systems of our society are, are connected yeah. and how something that happens in Minneapolis can radiate across the country and affect everybody, even though, you know, only one person was really involved, um, that it, it could radiate across the nation and, and not everyone agrees with the result, let's be honest, but, yeah. but the, that one person's life could affect yeah. all of us and that um, we, we quickly realized through COVID um, because there were kind of two major things that happened in 2020. I think when we look back historically and with COVID, we recognized that, Hey, if everybody stops going to work in the restaurant industry, we won't have anybody to make food. Mm -hmm. And if these people stop, you know, opening their doors, we won't have any, any place to buy this or if you know if nobody goes to the water treatment facility yeah. and you're going to turn on the water spout and it's going to be dirty and we didn't kind of i don't think a lot of people realize that all that stuff is a connected, connected we are, yeah. and um that the people who do that work rely on the people who do that work rely on the people who do that yeah. work and like you said we've we've come to this place as as a human race where we really need each other and we need to understand yeah. each other. And 
And I hope that because of 2020, people will understand each other better. And that's why we started the podcast to, to understand other people better and to understand ourselves better because we're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, so I hope that that, that that continues and that yeah. people recognize the importance of, of appreciating people in other industries mm-hmm. and people of other backgrounds. Knowing and that connection is is important, but I think it's it's necessary to to simplify, you know, mm. because when when I'm making a smoothie and I'm putting fifteen superfoods and powders into it, how am I gonna connect <laughs> with yeah. things that you cannot even pronounce the name? Yeah, you know. So, but if you like focusing one, you know, start simple, start simplifying your diet too, which is kind of opposite of everything, right? Of diversity and stuff, but that. To connect with your feet, simplify it. Like the best advice I ever got is like five, three, five things you like and just eat that. And it's like, and go deep into it. Learn where they come mm. from, learn the makers, start growing them yourself. Yeah. Then we start seeing the connectivity and then you know, seeing how we relate to the land. And then when as we develop that, then you can see other people that have that, you know, and create that connection. And then the diversity comes. But I think mm. sometimes you just have to go in deep and simple. And I think that when we are simplified and when we are honed into our craft and when we have consistency in our own lives, it actually brings peace to other people. Um, Instead of saying, I got to be able to speak 12 languages and (laughs) I got to use all the right words and be 100% up with the times and I got to know everybody and what they're doing. And that doesn't help them at all. And you you have to if you're eating their foods. You know, sure. I'm not letting people out of the hook. It's like, oh, yeah, if you're putting 12 things, you know, 12 superfoods coming from the Amazon and uh, tropics across the world into your food, you better learn those languages, learn those people's stories, learn where they come from. Yeah. You know, but good luck, <laughs> you know. Right. So simplify. But if you are if you are taking so much from so many places, you have to. Otherwise, you, you don't find that connection. So for yeah. me, it helps the simplicity. It's like, okay, I know tortillas. I know chocolate. I know coffee and beans. <laughs> when another story from nicaragua when we went there we were with um a group of a bunch of really young people Mm -hmm. and it was a large group and so the guy who was in charge he had to find really big solutions for problems you know it couldn't just be oh get a taxi no we gotta find a bus you know Mm -hmm. there's we gotta find a hotel that has a lot of rooms um and so he ended up for most of the meals just getting like pizza. <laughs> I'm like, dude, we're in Nicaragua. We need, <laughs> like, what are we doing? Uh-huh. And so, luckily, the guys that I was there with, because we were, I was with two friends who were hired to film this group. Mm-hmm. And I was there because they were going to coffee farms and they said, you should come with us and see these coffee farms because I'm the coffee guy. So, that's how I got to tag along. And they were like, hey, come over here and we go jump in the back of a truck and the guy who lived there in El Transito took us around the corner and this woman we walk into her kitchen and she's it wasn't mm-hmm. his wife mm-hmm. it wasn't his sister it was just a woman from the community mm-hmm. and she was cooking and I thought you know we're gonna be here 45 minutes or an hour before we get any food nope <laughs> three or four maybe five minutes uh-huh. she comes out 
with these plastic plates, bright, colorful plates, um, and just hands food to everybody. And yeah. it was incredible. It was amazing. And I was like, where, what? <laughs> how did she like, do that? This is her private mm-hmm. restaurant. Like yeah. what, you know, you're trying to like figure out, like, mm-hmm. how did this happen? And, um, and that, that just showed like, this is a really tight knit community, mm-hmm. you know, to where this guy who was our host, um, was like, Hey, I'm bringing, I'm bringing some guys over. And he had, we found mm-hmm. out he had like t- just texted her and said, Hey, you know, can you make some food for, for my friends? Um, and then there we were. Yeah. And it was like, this is the community that we, that all of those yeah. people <laughs> aren't getting to experience yeah. um, because they're part of this giant group moving around. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were fortunate enough to be that micro cell yes. to just go over here and experience. Mm-hmm. This is the real community. And this is how people here are really living. Yeah. Um, you know, just sitting, we were just sitting on buckets and logs out in her backyard, just eating food together and the kids are running around and the dogs and the babies crawling around. And, um, and we just, it was amazing. Nicaragua has the best food. They serve you a lot of food. We live like, so we're like five minutes away. So we might, a family will go like every Saturday, you go to Nicaragua, eat there and fill your tank with gas there and come back because they're plate cheaper gas, cheaper gas and doctors too. They had uh, some, and at that time, it was relatively better than Honduras' mm. uh, healthcare system. And, um, yeah, and they, everything they do is big. You know, big tamal, big piece of uh, plantain, big piece yeah. of meat. So it's like you feel like you're getting more for your money. So <laughs> Keep that in mind. Yeah. I'll ask you another question, but now I forget what yeah. it was. How do you think we can improve? Like, what do you mean we? Um, how can I get better? No, um, <laughs> how how do you think, uh, because you were saying that we've kind of grown together, we have similar, uh-huh. similar uh-huh. businesses. Um, we're, we're both concerned about similar problems and um, keeping the purity and the value. Yeah. So how, how do you think we can improve? As business uh, or yourself, just talk for yourself. How can you improve? I think what I'm learning right now, you know, raising teenager kids is like as much as I want to be an expert and, you know, do things in a certain weight, like life is more complicated than that. And mm-hmm. it gives you like three balls at once, you know, dealing with family, dealing with kids, you know, COVID, business. So I think we had to, at least for me, it's like, I'm just never going to be perfect at anything <laughs> and be okay with it. Like, sure. And I had all these things that you want, that I want to do and stuff and like, eh, might not happen, you know, because right now this is important and I'm trying to see my life like in a hundred years, you know, you know, maybe when I'm a 50, I'll be doing this. When I'm 60, I'll be, and given be it, doing something totally yeah. different. Given a time, because right now I think, you know, the same thing is our age, because we, I feel like I'm this age right now where, you know, I'm young, I had ideas, you know, I'm raising kids at the same time. It's like there is this energy and opportunities that you do want to build for the future. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm struggling with that. I got to trust the future because there is so many things that are important. Your kids are your priority, your business too. You know, your family too, your community yeah. too, your your practices or religion, whatever you do is too. So um, 
and yeah, just learning to balance and be okay with waiting. Yeah, be okay with what comes up. Like it's not gonna be. You might never, you know, you know, never get that giant chain that you want. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what would you say to people who are struggling with patience in that area? Oh my God, I don't know. I struggle with that. Because then you feel horrible. You know, you wanna mm-hmm. I, I wake up and I'm like, I'm gonna do this, 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 and then you go to and it's like ten o'clock and you didn't do anything. And you think you didn't do anything, but obviously you were doing things. Doing a lot of stuff. You were doing a lot of things. So it's like we have to be realistic with our goals. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because I feel and that's another thing. Like I feel right now everything depends on how much I can work. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, I think and maybe that's a false view. You know that everything depends on like what I can do, um, but there is only physically. so much. Yeah, physically, only yeah. so much, and and then you don't feel fulfilled because it's like, oh, you wanted to do all these things. So I don't know. I think um, I'm back to finding what actually feels good, and then you have customers asking stuff. Yeah, is <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but um, yeah, learning to balance and I think like walking around helps talking to people and COVID has been hard because we can't talk to people, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard. And that normally that's has what that affected your business. It has helped us actually. People are drinking more chocolate. Um, people are finding us online. So it keeps us very busy. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. It's been a blessing. And, and because people are actually making, taking the time to make a hot chocolate at home, mm. which I think it takes a long time, but it doesn't really, you know. But and you've been doing videos. Yeah, we do a lot of people. teaching people how to do that. We do a lot of online classes. And mm. Yeah, but patience, I don't know. You just sit with it, breathe it out. Just wait. <laughs> you just wait it out, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think most of us are, um, most of us need to be slow cooked. Yeah. And it's very, very, it's a very rare person who should be, um, cooked quickly and yeah. and then served to their community mm-hmm. but rather most of us need to be slow cooked and um sometimes it takes us slower than others it's like fermenting a wine yeah <laughs> some sometimes yeah. young ones are good but yeah. usually for the majority of us we need to age and i think it's, it's the family element too you know mm. is raising supporting you and knowing raising kids is a different thing mm. You know, no, no wonder some people don't work and stay home raising a kid. It's a full time thing. And yeah. So honoring that and how valuable it is to. Yeah, it sure is. How valuable it is to stay there with your kids. Yeah. Seen that, seen that in our family. Mm-hmm. We both wish we could. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we fight about who gets to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, Molly. Molly changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last question I want to ask you mm-hmm. is um, if you could, if, if say you knew a hundred million people were watching this and you could change their perception of chocolate in one way, what would it be? Chocolate is a food mm. and look for it, you know, look for it. Try to discover chocolate as a food, as a nutritious drink. And that will change your perspective. I love that. Because you'll see chocolate everything. Chocolate this, chocolate that, chocolate that. And it's one of the only foods 
that you can say is chocolate without having chocolate. You know, you can say that about wine. You know, I can add something to wine and call it wine. You know? Right. So ask yourself why. Right? Why is chocolate? So it has a lot to do with colonialism through the history of chocolate. But mm. if you start looking and searching and seeing chocolate as a food, and as a nutritious drink, and ask for it, and ask yourself, why is it everywhere? It's everywhere. People probably don't even know that. It's yeah, everywhere. go to the grocery store, chocolate, kombucha, chocolate, bread, chocolate, cereal, chocolate, is chocolate, is the people's, is the world favorite. Chocolate and vanilla. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the world's favorite flavor. Wow. And we see it as a flavor. Mm. And that's a big problem. It's a food. Yeah. And, and it's the food and the drinks of our continent, of, yeah. the, of the American continent. Wow. Of this land. So we should be proud of that. Every, from the Alaska to the Patagonia, we should be drinking chocolate and proud of it because mm. this is what the land has given us, you know? Yeah. Not coffee, not tea, not even beer, you know, not wine. Yeah. It is chocolate. So don't ignore it because it's home. It's your backyard. Wow. You heard so, it right here on the Proclamation yeah. Podcast. <laughs> well, this has been my guest, Carla, mm -hmm. Carla McNeil. Uh, I am your host, Luke Noland. And I want to thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I, did I supposed to be looking at the camera? Uh, you can do you want. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for watching the Proclamation Podcast. Um, as you know, we like to bring meaningful conversations to you through a lot of different platforms. So please like, subscribe, share, whatever's appropriate in the way that you're consuming this content now and get Carla's story out, get Crew Chocolates um, product out to the world. And if you'd like to visit them online, you can find them at crewchocolate.com. Yep, crewchocolate.com. You can find them on Instagram. Uh, you will see some of the most brilliant colors and wonderful marketing <laughs> oh I've ever God. seen. <laughs> Um, and I, I love seeing what, what comes out new from them. And you can also buy their products here at Fourscore Coffee in Roseville and also at other coffee shops around the Sacramento area. So check them out online and keep tuning in for future meaningful conversations here at the Proclamation Podcast. This has been episode 12 oh. of the Proclamation Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Luke Nolan. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>